Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Next up, you'll be listening to United Way Community Connections with Mike Affelberg. United Way Community Connections. United Way Community Connections broadcasts every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on WSMN. In United Way Community Connections, you will be introduced to leaders from all of the great nonprofits in Greater Nashua, from caring for our children to our seniors, from helping our homeless pets to our at-risk vets, from learning the skills to get your GED, to dealing with trauma and substance abuse. Community Connections is the place to learn with Mike Affelberg about what's going on. Learn how you can help and make a difference from the experts. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show, which is making a difference in Greater Nashua. Here's your host, Mike Affelberg. Well, good Monday morning, and welcome to the United Way Community Connections show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg, and today is Monday, February 8th, 2021. Um, We are making our way slowly through the month of February. And as always promised, February is the coldest month of the year. So, um, you know, <laughs> so many people who I know are, have what I would call weather amnesia. And so, you know, it's New England, right? So November, it gets cold in November. It gets a little cold already in October. We can get a little bit of a chill in the air. But November gets cold and people start to think it's winter. And they don't realize until winter doesn't actually officially start until like you know, three quarters of the way through December. And then there's January, which is January's kind of hit and miss. Sometimes it's terrible and sometimes not so much. This year, not so much. It wasn't bad. It wasn't that cold and there weren't that many storms. And so they start to think, oh, winter is almost over. And then February hits. And every single year, February is going to give you terrible weather. That's just the way it is every single year. So, but in my family, um, there's this weather amnesia. And my wife is like, oh, I'm so ready to put on my flip-flops and go to the beach. And I'm like, honey, that's not going to happen for another four months. So just forget about it and, you know, put that stuff back away because it's February. It is cold out, though, I have to say. It's like 10 degrees out this morning. We got a couple inches of snow yesterday. Perfect Super Bowl weather. And speaking of Super Bowl weather, how does how was the Super Bowl? Did everybody watch? Um, I know we did. It was an interesting game. Not at all the uh, not at all what I was expecting for an outcome, and yet not at all surprising. Um, I don't know how that's possible, but uh, you know it's interesting. There, are, you know, like the, if you think about football. Like many sports, there are really essentially four teams, right? There's each team has their offense. That's two teams. Each team has their defense. That's the other two teams. And then, of course, there's the fifth team, which is the officials. And sometimes they play a role. Sometimes they don't. I would argue yesterday they didn't play much of a role at all. There was a lot of there was a lot of um, calls made, or a lot of calls made. But I think that uh, that was really pretty much you know well placed for most part, what I could tell, but only three of the four teams showed up. So, you know, even though the um, Kansas City Chiefs have this vaunting offense, they've got Patrick Mahomes, and he's got just a ton of 
ton of weapons there. He's got the, they've got the ability to run. He's got the ability to run, and they've got a lot of people they can throw to as well. Uh, the, you know, the defense for the for the uh, opposition showed up in force, and they just didn't know what to do with that. And I would say that in in you know, if anybody won the game yesterday really won the game it was the defense of the buccaneers they just killed it and they just destroyed patrick mahomes and he just couldn't he couldn't run he couldn't throw they, he had nobody to throw to um they were just they just threw them off and that's they 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 just killed it and then of course you know who else showed up was tom brady and the offense of the buccaneers and they played a great game i got to say tom brady you know i am a fan of tom brady because I belong to this exclusive club, the exclusive club of grumpy old men, and Tom Brady is an old man, and um, so I was all obviously rooting for Tom Brady because he's like ilk, right? He's he's an old man as well, and um, the um, you know so he did great, and uh, you know, the first two touchdowns were what Brady to Gronk, so number twelve to number eighty-seven, they keep connecting, they they they've just. They just do it year after year, and it was it was kind, that was kind of a thing of beauty as well, I have to say. So, oh well, sorry about that, Kansas City Chief, Chiefs fans. You'll be back next year, I have no doubt about it. Um, you got a lot of year a lot of years ahead of you. You know, you've got a great team, and uh, so you know that's all right. It's only football. I did want to talk a little bit about the Blizzard Blast. So the Blizzard Blast f- finished up on Saturday. Of course, this year's event was totally different than any other Blizzard Blast in years past. Hey, I see you on the line, Barry. I don't know where – I see your question. Hi, Michael. Where are you? And um, the answer is, I'm here. Um, where are you? So what I mean by that is I'm actually in the studio, but I can see why you think I'm not here because the camera seems to be pointed at a weird angle. Sorry about that. You don't get to see my beautiful face. But I am in the studio today. It looks like it's pointed out on Main Street. I don't know why they changed the camera around. But rest assured, I am here in the studio at WSMN 1590 AM in downtown Nashua looking at the, uh, over Main Street on the turret. But uh, good to see you, Barry. Glad to see you joining in on the conversation again this morning. Love seeing you. And, uh, of course, best to uh, Jill and Alex along the way. Really appreciate here having you with me today. So the Blizzard Blast ended on Saturday. It was a different event. We had a lot of runners who ran a couple of different courses in Nashua. And each course had uh, different nonprofits as stops along the way, which was which was great, a really great way to support the community. We had 21 different stops. And if you ran one of the 5Ks, um, you know, you saw a couple of them. If you ran one of the 10Ks, you saw a couple more of them. If you ran the half marathon length, you saw all of them. And that was nonprofits that are just partners in our community, people who you I like to say you drive past maybe day in and day out, and you just never know they're there or never notice them or never know what they do. And so, you know, we had everything from the Boys and Girls Club to the Police Athletic League, the Youth Council, the Adult Learning Center, the Soup Kitchen and Shelter, and so forth and so on. Really great, really great event to highlight the, the amazing nonprofits in our community. We like that. Um, we had a total of 119 people participate in the event, which is fantastic. And they were able to run at any time during the week of their choosing. And um, we had a bunch of people that did run on Saturday, which was great. Um, we've had a total of 211 donors to the event. So 211 supporters who made some contributions financially to help support one of our Blizzard Blast runners. And uh, for a brand new event, I'm pretty happy. We raised a total of $23,000 in change. Um, 
it's still open if you want to still donate. All the money that we receive supports our COVID-19 response fund, which has been um, one of those places that's really helped out the community during the COVID-19 emergency. Doing things like distributing hotspots to to kids for wireless, um, laptops to families to support remote learning, um, PPE to nonprofits and small businesses struggling to keep their doors open, many emergency grants to nonprofits to support some of their needs during the, the pandemic, and lots of volunteer efforts to do everything from tutoring kids to uh, helping to administer vaccines to um, distributing food on a weekly basis in our community. So the COVID-19 fund is super important. And if you wanted to donate to that, you can just go to unitedwaynashua.org. That's our website, unitedwaynashua.org. And under the events tab, click on um, Blizzard Blast, and you'll see a link to the uh, the website itself where you could uh, support one of your runners or one of your teams. I did want to give a couple shout-outs for the event. First shout-out I want to give is to our sponsors. We had some fantastic sponsors this year. Our big sponsors, those are the sponsors that are naming sponsors that really stepped up and contributed to the event, include Service Credit Union. Thank you so much to our friends at Service Credit Union. St. Joseph's Hospital a long-term, long-time supporter of the Blizzard Blast and a great partner of ours. Thank you to St. Joseph's Hospital and United Healthcare, who stepped up to support this event because it is healthy and it helps to support the community. So thank you to all of you who are naming sponsors. We had a couple of other sponsors I want to recognize. Um, Joyce Cooling and Heating, our friends over at Joyce Cooling and Heating, who also run a radio show here on WSMN. Um were the hand sanitizer sponsor, so they helped us to make sure that we could get hand sanitizer to all of our runners. Law Logistics, so Brian Law and his crew were our MAP sponsor. They helped to make sure that everybody um, found their way around town, and uh, they sponsored all of our MAPs. Um, Medina and Tyler over at Mint Printworks were our T-shirt sponsor. They, they did a great job producing really cool T-shirts, long sleeve, these kind of wicking sort of dry fit T-shirts that look super great and they're they're there we produce those in a horrific green that you cannot miss so thank you to you guys over at mint printing and then we had a bunch of team sponsors folks that uh, stepped up and sponsored one of our teams that includes eaton and barabee insurance bar harbor bank and trust xfinity and comcast ups the lannan company rich lannan thank you so much Merrimack County Savings Bank, and then my chiropractor, Brandon Lanatsis over Nashua Family Chiropractic. They, they put together a team and sponsored that team as well. So really great event, great sponsors, super participation. We're so grateful. And, you know, next year hopefully we'll get back together and run Blizzard Blast the way we have in the past. But we like this event. It got a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, promotion of various nonprofits in our community, and we think that's super important. So maybe we'll do this event again and maybe rebrand it as something else, but uh, really enjoyed it. So thank you to everybody, and congratulations to all our runners. Uh, you are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. So I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSMN 1590 a.m. and also 95.3 FM um, in your listening area. But we're also online, online meaning you can ask your smart speaker to play um, 1590 AM, WSMN 1590, and uh, smart speaker will play whatever's going live at the time, this at the moment, 
Um, we're also live on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, which is just Michael Apfelberg, A-P-F-E-L-B-E-R-G. I'm with the United Way. And if you go to that website or that Facebook page, you'll see me spooling up live. And I want it, I monitor that throughout the show for any questions or comments like for my, my, my friend Barry over in Litchfield. So good morning to everybody who's watching on Facebook. That's the place to answer, ask any questions or, or post any comments, and we can uh, you know, respond to those in real time throughout the show. Um, we have a really great show lined up for you today. Um, after our first break, I'm going to be joined in the studio here by Grace Tavares. Grace and I have known each other for many years. Grace is an employee with the Nashua School District. She happens to... I believe her title is homeschool coordinator. She's over at Nashua's uh, Dr. Crisp Elementary School. And she's going to talk a little bit about a project that she's been working on with the University of New Hampshire and, and uh, tell us about that. So that should be pretty interesting. Looking forward to talking with Grace. And then after that, we're going to take another break. And after that break, we're going to be joined by our friends from New Futures. Now, New Futures and Waypoint are statewide organizations that focus on um, service of families and children and also advocacy um, on behalf of families and children in the state. So we're going to hear from New Futures and Waypoint after the second break. And that will take us to the top of the hour. Um, what else can I tell you about our show? The reason to listen to our show is because each week you'll hear from different nonprofits about what they're doing in the community. That gives you the opportunity to refer people who might be in need of services um, which is something we all like to do because we all want to be helpful. I think that's human nature. Um, and we all know people who are in need of support. But, uh, you know, also we have a very giving community. We have a lot of people that like to donate their time or their financial resources. You know, if you donate your time, that's basically we call that a, being a volunteer. Um, that's also free labor to a nonprofit. So a really important way for them to sustain themselves is is with volunteer work. Um, but also a lot of people like to donate their financial resources and we have a very giving community in that regard as well. Best way to learn where to donate your time or money is by listening to the show and learning who's doing what. And you'll find, excuse me, you'll find something there that resonates with you. And if it speaks to your heart and it speaks to your mind as a, as a way in which you would like to see the community be impacted, you might end up choosing to donate your time or money or sit, so, telling one of your friends about it, or just getting involved. So that's what we do on the United Way Community Connection show every week from Monday on Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. I am going to cut now to our first break. Our show is brought to you by three very generous sponsors. Our show is brought to you by Franklin Savings Bank with, their, with a Greater Nashua branch up in Merrimack. Thank you to Franklin Savings Bank. We're also brought to you by Edgestone Properties, our original sponsor, Edgestone Properties, one of our community's premier builders for many decades now. And we're also brought to you by Fully Promoted and Embroid Me of Bedford, New Hampshire, and uh, uh, producing great promotional products, screen printing, embroidery. So thank you to all three of our great sponsors. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with our first guest, Grace Tavares. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show on WSMN 1590 AM, 95.3 FM, and live on Facebook. And I'm your host, Mike Appleberg. I need to get some new shirts for my business. Just call Sal. Does he do screen printing also? Just call Sal. Does he embroider shirts too? Just call Sal. I also need business cards and brochures. Just call Sal. How about yard and lawn signs? Just call Sal. And promotional products to give my customers? 
Just call Sal. Who is Sal? I'm Sal. My wife Jennifer and I are the proud owners of Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. If you need embroidered or screen printed shirts, business cards, brochures, lawn signs, promotional products, and even personal protective equipment for your business or organization, just call me or stop by our showroom. Conveniently located at 410 South River Road in Bedford, right off the Everett Turnpike. You can also visit our website at fullypromotedsnh.com. That's fullypromotedsnh.com. We are your one-stop shop for all your promotional needs. Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. Our business is to help you grow your business. Just call Sal. Commercial lending at our big bank is a process that begins with AD, that's application data, being sent off to HQ headquarters. Sounds like that could take a while. <laughs> it will. At Franklin Savings Bank, our commercial lending decisions are made locally, resulting in faster loan approvals. Drop into any of our Lakes Region or Southern New Hampshire branches, including Merrimack and Goffstown, to find out what we can do for you. Or visit fsbnh.bank. Franklin Savings Bank. Together, we are community. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in Southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Etchstone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at etchstoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Wardis Law has been representing injured people for 20 years. Whether it's car accidents, motorcycle accidents, pedestrian injuries, dog bites, slips and falls. Bob Bartis is an experienced attorney who solves problems. Bartis Law, a statewide personal injury law firm. Their number is 603-880-1300 or BartisLaw.com. Inspired by our German artisan roots, Seuss Caramel has redefined the art of caramel making. Slow crafted, all natural and preservative free with uncompromising standards cooked gently in small batches to create velvety textures and layers of flavor like no other caramel you've ever experienced. It is our sincere hope that you enjoy each Seuss caramel as much as we enjoy making it for you. I'm Tammy Fahey, and I never tire of hearing how much people enjoy my caramels. Please visit SeussCaramel.com to place your order and to see a listing of stores that carry our amazing caramels. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. Well, good Monday morning. You are listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with community leaders non and nonprofit leaders about the work that they're doing in the community. What is the community? It's Greater Nashua, right? It's the 11 communities in southern New Hampshire. 
Um, and we're trying to find out what people are doing to make those of us who live and work here stronger, smarter, safer, healthier, and happier. So I'm joined today in the studio with by Grace Tavares. Grace and I have known each other for a number of years. Grace is um, an employee of the Nashua School District working at Dr. Crisp Elementary School. She also volunteers quite a bit. I know she's involved with N68 Hours of Hunger. She's involved with the Salvation Army, and she has a project she's been working on with, with the University of New Hampshire that we wanted to talk about this morning. So good morning, Grace, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. And you sound great, by the way. That's Thank a you. perfect volume. Thank you very much. Some, sometimes people, they talk out the side of their mouth, and I'm like, no, a little louder, a little clearer. So very <laughs> good. So Grace, so tell us a little bit about your what you do normally. What's your, what's your day job? What do you g- generally do? And, and maybe, like, how is that, like, since you work in the schools, obviously been am- impacted over the past year or so? Well, um, COVID has definitely changed how what the normal life or expectancy is or what we our normal routines are. Um, So it's challenging, you know, we're either doing remote or hybrid, so we're not seeing the students as often as we like. It's it's been challenging trying to keep everyone safe. Um, But that hasn't stopped me or slowed me down. Um, My, you know, my day job is uh, at the school and I do uh, outreach and work with families and the, the staff and agencies in the community, which has really allowed me to meet a lot of great people like yourself, uh, which also contributes to my volunteer piece of you know making sure everybody's getting food or clothing or furniture, whatever's needed. And that also brings me into my afternoon evening jobs, which is working for UNH Cooperative Extensions. And at Extensions, we do a, a lot in the community, obviously throughout the state of New Hampshire, working with uh, low-income families, refugees, immigrants, seniors, um, to you know try to give them a better quality of life, making sure that you know, we um, give them information about eating healthy, you know, getting more exercise, you know, just general information to a better, you know, give them a better quality of life. Right, right, Absol- absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know that um, it looks like we're going back into the classrooms pretty soon, too, you know, in hopefully a couple of days, which uh, is going to make your life interesting. And, and also, I think you'll probably be happy about that, too, I'd imagine. Well, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, you mm-hmm. can't wait to see the kids and get back to what seems to be a normal routine. Um, but you can't uh, avoid this distress and tension of everybody worrying about, you know, the pandemic and getting ill. And so, right. you know, trying to stay calm, be safe, and educate is um, a lot to do all in one time. So uh, we're, we're working on it. Yep. Um, and it's, for me, you know, if we can get back to face-to-face, and obviously I can do more for uh, the cooperative extensions as well as, you know, rolling out classes right. face-to-face because right now everything is pretty much remote, so sometimes it limits things you can do. Um, but, you know, we basically, you know, we want to have a quality of life back, but we also right. have to be safe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be... It's going to be a little while before we get there entirely, and I know that we all know that. So, yeah. so tell me about this little project you're working on with the University of New Hampshire. Well, this intrigues me. What is it that we are doing over there? Well, basically, this is a, like a volunteer program. So what we need is uh, volunteers to participate in a phone survey that is targeted le- Hispanic and Latino community throughout our state. And basically, what we're looking for is to have participants that you know obviously have access to a telephone that are New Hampshire residents that you know identifies being Hispanic or Latino um, to participate in the program 
And, um, so and, what, and what is the subject of the phone survey? So the survey is to find out about, you know, basically how, how have you lived through this pandemic? You know, how was your food, you know, security? You know, how was your, um, your physical, you know, how, how were you able to do physical activity? What, what was your, you know, dietary intake? You know, how, how did, you know, how was your stress? You know, basically to see how they survived. You know, I mean, you know, we look at all of, the different communities and you know ethnicities we have in our state, and it's nice to see that we're acknowledging that you know the Latino population is really growing and really consuming half of our population, and um, it's just a, a nice way to do some research, so that we can know more about what's happening in the Grand Estate. Okay, so so it's specific to um, Hispanic people that we're talking about. So, so Hispanic uh, Latino, yes. Okay, so let, when you say Latino, so that includes also our our Brazilian Portuguese speaking communities. Well, right now it's just basically Spanish speakers. Okay, because when somebody Spanish. says Latino, I'm like, okay, oh, okay. Well, because I've made that mistake, right? <laughs> you know, I we we um, tend to refer to our um, population, um, our south of what's called the south of the border population, as as um, Hispanic, and I've made that mistake in a group of. Brazilians, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, we're not Hispanic because we don't know. We're we are Latino. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So when people use those terms, I want to make sure I well, want to make sure I know who we're talking about. I, well, let, let me clarify a little bit. So like my myself, yeah. I mean, I'm Puerto Rican, right? And so most of the time when people say, oh, Hispanic, they you know they expect that you know for example like I'm from the Caribbean, right? So obviously our diets our culture, and our lifestyle's a little bit different than, say, somebody that's from Mexico. Although, you know, Mexico's huge, and they have a obtain amount of different dialects and different versions of Spanish. Um, and maybe if they're from the Yucatan, yeah. they might have more of a Mediterranean exactly. kind, of a, so, kind of a dialect and a food. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, in the Caribbean, you know, we eat a lot of rice and beans, but, you know, in Mexico, they eat jalapenos, and they mm. eat... You know, it's more spicy right. stuff. And for us in the like Caribbean, it's it's spice flavoring. But in Mexico, it's jalapenos and hot, you know. And so a yeah. whole different. So even though everybody clumps us together because we speak Spanish, we actually have a, the common language, mm-hmm. but our cultures may be different. Super diverse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So when we, that's why some people refer, like to be referred to Hispanic. Some like to be referred to as Latino. But if you encompass the Spanish-speaking community, um, we bring a lot to the table, a lot of diversity, right. a lot of great foods. I mean, you know, I love, you know, my food, but I love Cuban food. And you know, I have friends that make, you know, beans that are Dominican that I can't make. And if I go to a rec- Mexican restaurant, I'm looking forward to their flavor. You know, it's, uh, everybody brings something sure. that is, you know, fun. And, you know, if, and you, if you go to these places in the yeah. summer and enjoy the sun, um, you know, Tour, you know, tourists love it. You know, there's so much happening. So there's there's a lot to give. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the information that you're gathering with UNH th- through this survey is mm-hmm. specific to the Spanish-speaking, mm-hmm. uh, Spanish-speaking Latino community. Yeah. I mean, they can and, do, they can, I'm sorry. And um, it's about how have you been sort of coping throughout the pandemic? Correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is um, what, what's the uh, idea of what do you think that the data that they're gathering is ultimately going to be used to do? Because it's probably these things ultimately somehow shape thinking in some way or another. They help to inform policy. They help to inform school curriculum. Whatever the case may be, they help to uh, think about how we deal with resource allocation. What's the purpose for the data? Well, um, 
for specifics, you can always uh, refer to our website, which is extensions at UNH. Edu. Yeah. Um, but for the for from my understanding, I mean, the gathering of the data we do is so that we can be better prepared on what we roll out to our communities. The programming, um, you know, obviously we want to make an impact on our state and improve um, lifestyle and what you know how people are living, how we're educating. So it's all for the purpose of um, perf- you know performing at a better capacity. And so you said you're looking for volunteers. And when you say volunteers, you're looking not for volunteers to, to are you looking for volunteers to administer the survey, lock, like phone call people, walk door to door, or are you looking for volunteers to actually take the survey? So it's volunteers to take the survey. Gotcha. So, so basically, like say, like for myself, I would, if I was somebody that wasn't working for UNH, I would, you know, call the 800 number or the website and, you know, give my name and number. Somebody will follow up and say, okay, to see if I qualify to some little preliminary questions. And then um, if I, you know, qualify and I take the survey, it's like an hour to two. Uh, You're going to be asked specific questions again regarding, you know, your food security, um, your dietary intake. So it's it's not online. It's not online. It's really just a, it's it's actually a conversation. It's an actually a phone, the old fashioned phone survey where somebody calls you, it can be in English or in Spanish, sure. and they're going to ask you all these questions, and provided that you complete the survey, then the um, compensation is that you'll get a $50 gift card sent to you. Well, $50 gift card sounds good. I speak Spanish. I, I, no, I, I don't qualify. I'm sorry. And my Spanish is so bad that I wouldn't qualify. Well, you know, it, it's, um, it's funny because, you know, first uh, first time I started sending out my flyers and I sent some of them in Spanish and yeah. for Spanish, expecting people to read them in Spanish. And they say, hey, can you send it to me in English? And I'm like, yes. And, and that's the nice thing is that, you know, you have people that have migrated here and maybe they still speak the language, but maybe they're not reading the language. So UNH has graciously provided these flyers in English and in Spanish so we can get the word out there. Sure. And so pretty much, I mean, this is um, something easy to do. I mean, you know, $50 for an hour or two of your time, it's really uh, great compensation, and it can really have an impact on our community. And um, the... How many people are you looking to gather data from? Is there like a like a gar a goal or a target? Well, I, I um, for right now to get things you know get the ball rolling, we're looking to have at least a hundred participants, and then if we have like a you know snowball of, of participant requests, then perhaps we'll, it'll get raised. The uh, the bar will get raised. But right now, just to get started, it's a hundred. That sounds that sounds really great. Um, I can imagine there are any number of people that are going to want to participate in that and, and give their input mm-hmm. because it helps to it helps to like I say it helps to inform thinking and shape policy and and uh, do all all sorts of good things. So that's excellent. I'm glad to hear about that. Now I want to talk about like other things that you do because mm-hmm. you do lots of stuff in the community. <laughs> Everywhere I turn, I see Grace. That you know, and every tour Grace turns, she sees Mike. Yeah, yeah. So, so. that's the kind of community we live in. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me, you do a lot of work over at the Salvation Army with volunteering. What do you do over there, and and how are they doing? Okay. Well, um, first I have to thank Salvation Army because when the covert. Uh, came out and we, you know, we had to vacate school and we still had all these families that uh, had a need, you know, they needed their food and the clothing or furniture, whatever the needs were that we were supplying while I was at the building. Um, Salvation Army gave me the location to continue to roll out food, to be involved in the food pantry so that I could hand out flyers about nutrition and what's happening for UNH and also allowed me to continue to support the families. And that I've actually, the number of families I was serving weekly was about 200 families getting them groceries over there. So um, 
I help out with the food pantry at Salvation Army. I um, and their needs have really grown. I know oh since my the God. pantry. I know talking to Rosemary, she 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 says that they've almost doubled the number of people that they're helping. Yeah, I mean, I you know I was before the pandemic, I was there twice a week. Um, and so you know now the days have changed, but we we do what we can. I also, um, on behalf of Salvation Army, deliver to five senior sites where the seniors can't get out to get food. So we take them um, groceries um, once a month. So it's your non-perishable bag, uh, fresh produce, and um, baked goods. And you know the agencies that that donate, you know, are Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Crosby's Bakery right down the street, BJ's. They all give so much um, to the community to give back to all these people in need. So it's really heartwarming for me to see how Nashville has grown. I mean, I've lived here 30 years. Well, there was no bodegas back mm. in the day. Main Street wasn't as busy. Um, you know, there's so much that's happening, and it's all for the positive. It's a caring mm. and, and safe community, and I love being here. I also like that with Salvation Army, with their summer programs, with the youth, and even with their uh, participants, I'm able to help them not just by volunteering or giving them food, but also by educating them mm -hmm. with, with the programs that we roll out from UNH. So I feel like everything is so tied together and right. it allows me to grow and, and really, really hopefully be completing people's needs um so i do a lot in that capacity you know some right now salvation army they closed the salvation army thrift store so if somebody has furniture or they're you know purging and salvation army can't take the furniture they give them my phone number and people will call me and say i have you know xyz and then we connect the dots so somebody needing a bed or furniture we connect the dots uh, Katie's Closet's amazing. They're out of Draco. They supply the school with clothing, and uh, they do a great job, and they help me on, on many levels that way. So I feel like, you know, my commitment to Nashua has grown, and it, it doesn't seem to be ending. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'll help any agency. I also work sometimes with PAL. I roll out programs mm -hmm. for their kids, but uh, also, you know, if, if their families have needs. So, you know, we're just not, well, the partnerships grow. I'm, I work with Juana at the soup kitchen. Um, we help the Latino community and anybody else that she asks help for. And obviously, every place I am, you have volunteers that are helping us make all this happen. Yeah, the volunteer outpouring has been just astonishing since the pandemic began. We've we've uh, had over 700 people volunteer with United Way, and that's just with United Way to, but also to do things at agencies like the Salvation Army. Um, you know, we have volunteers doing so many different things. It just astonishes me when I think about it. Mm -hmm. I've got we've got volunteers that are helping to do vaccines. We've got volunteers that are helping with the COVID testing, with the Salvation Army, with the pop-up food pantries, with tutoring kids, <laughs> you know, and on and on and on. And yeah, it's, don't it's really forget great. those uh, wonderful hotspots you provide to people that don't have internet for the school. Yeah, every that's time right. We... You, well, you've made a bunch of good referrals for that, yeah. so we appreciate that. Yeah, so, yeah. And, yeah and, it kind of um, takes, takes a team, right? Yeah, it does. You, nope, you know, you have this huge puzzle, which is New yeah. Hampshire, and all of us play a part in a piece of it, and as we put it all together, Together, we become successful. That's exactly right, Grace. So we're about out of time. Um, uh, any last words? Any other things you wanted to say about the survey in particular, or anything um, you know specific that you wanted to mention before we cut to break? I will really want to mention that. Um UNH uh, Cooperative Extensions has many programmings, always looking for participants to participate. Um, so they can look, at, uh, look us up on our website for extensions. 
at uh, unh.edu um, to see what programs we have throughout our state. Um, there's many of, many of me throughout the state for UNH that are out there trying to do the same thing. And I just wanted to thank you for allowing me to talk about what I do in New Hampshire and how I can help the community. Thank you very much. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Grace, and talking about not just this program, but all the things that you're involved with. And, you know, you are really making a big difference, um, you, you know, as an individual and with the organizations that you're supporting as well. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. So we're going to cut to break. You've been listening to Grace Tavares talking about the uh, program that she's involved with at UNH, but also a little bit about the Salvation Army and Dr. Chris Elementary and Katie's Closet. We talked about and 68 Hours of Hunger, kind of a wide-ranging conversation. And I uh, do appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, we're going to cut to break, brought to you by our sponsors. And after the break, we'll have our friends on from, uh, from Waypoint. Uh, talking about some of the programming that they're doing. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show, and I am your host, Mike Appelberg. I need to get some new shirts for my business. Just call Sal. Does he do screen printing also? Just call Sal. Does he embroider shirts too? Just call Sal. I also need business cards and brochures. Just call Sal. How about yard and lawn signs? Just call Sal. And promotional products to give my customers? Just call Sal. Who is Sal? I'm Sal. My wife Jennifer and I are the proud owners of Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. If you need embroidered or screen printed shirts, business cards, brochures, lawn signs, promotional products, and even personal protective equipment for your business or organization, just call me or stop by our showroom, conveniently located at 410 South River Road in Bedford, right off the Everett Turnpike. You can also visit our website at fullypromotedsnh.com. That's fullypromotedsnh.com. We are your one-stop shop for all your promotional needs. Fully Promoted of Southern New Hampshire. Our business is to help you grow your business. Just call Sal. Commercial lending at our big bank is a process that begins with AD, that's application data, being sent off to HQ headquarters. Sounds like that could take a while. <laughs> it will. At Franklin Savings Bank, our commercial lending decisions are made locally, resulting in faster loan approvals. Drop into any of our Lakes Region or Southern New Hampshire branches, including Merrimack and Goffstown, to find out what we can do for you. Or visit fsbnh.bank. Franklin Savings Bank. Together, we are community. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Tony Joyce from Joyce Cooling and Heating. Now that winter is here, your comfort and indoor air quality are more important than ever. A new heating system with a state-of-the-art air purification, humidification, or zoning option can make hibernating a lot more pleasant. Upgrading any type system will save you money and ensure you a worry-free system. Don't wait until you have no heat. And remember, that's Joyce Cooling and Heating, 882-4244, or on the web at JoyceCool.com. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, 
or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. Well, good Monday morning, and welcome to the United Way Community Connection Show. And thank you especially to my friends from the Eagles for that excellent introductory music. They, 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 you might not know this, but they composed that just for me. Isn't that great? Don Henley, and what a, what a great guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with community nonprofits about what they're doing to make Greater Nashua a place which is stronger, smarter, safer, healthier, and happier for all of us who live and work here. Today in the studio, we have two new guests who I don't believe either has been on the show before. Um, I don't know, Cindy, have you been on the show before? Maybe not. Okay. So we have Christina Toth. Uh, did I pronounce that right? You did. Christina Toth from the Department of Corrections. Um, I hope I'm not in trouble, you know. <laughs> and we also have Cindy Blanchard from Waypoint, previously known as um, Child and Family Services. Um, I appreciate the rebranding, by the way, because it's so much easier. Like, it used to probably be really confusing for people. I know it was because they're like, Department of DFS, well, that sounds like DHHS. Like, isn't that the same? It's not the same thing. So Waypoint is better. Waypoint is much better. Absol absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit about some programming that's brand new and uh, in place. And Christina, why don't I start with you and uh, maybe if you can introduce yourself and talk a little bit about the subject today, what we wanted to cover. Sure. So my name is, as you said, Christina Toth, and I run the Family Connection Center, which is a family resource center located in all of the three prisons at New Hampshire Department of Corrections and also our minimum security um, units as well. And we have been, uh, we were created in 1998, partnered with University of New Hampshire Family Studies Department and UNH Cooperative Extension to create this program for both incarcerated mothers and fathers and to support them and help them grow their relationship and connect them into the community, which then brought us to Waypoint, at that point, Child and Family Services. So in 2000. Four, we partnered with Waypoint to provide services in some of the halfway houses, and the relationship has grown ever since to where we're at today, which is a really big collaboration that we just um, started this, well, right now, actually, we're just starting. That sounds fantastic. And for me, this is a little bit, a little bit back to the future. Um, my wife, many, many, many years ago, when we lived in California, when she first moved to California, back in the early uh, mid-80s, right? She worked for an organization there called Friends Outside, which was, um, and it was at one of the prisons, one of, Cal one of our, the, the prisons in San Luis Obispo, California, and they had a little center set up right outside the prison, and um, when, when people came to visit, and it was, it was all men, when, when women came to visit their families, typically, the children would end up staying there during the visit. And then, mm -hmm. so it was kind of like a very specialized daycare to support the families. Mm -hmm. But as a result, they also got a lot of involvement in the family supports themselves. So, so maybe there's some similarities there to some of what you're doing with the Department of Corrections. Yeah, definitely. We, um, so we 
my, that my clients generally are the incarcerated mothers and fathers, and we provide parenting education, parenting support, life skill seminars. So that's helping them grow as a person, as a parent, but at the same time then we invite the families to be involved as well. So we do internet video visits, we've done those since 2008, and so we do parent coaching, helping them. Sometimes some of the parents have never met their kids or they haven't talked to them in four years, so we're trying to grow that relationship mm -hmm. and just kind of help them move along. We also have a camp program where children will go to a YMCA camp for two weeks and then come into the prison for two full days to spend with mom or dad. So they do camp activities, arts, music, dance, have meals together. And we also do family fun days where the caregiver and the children come into the prison. We have pinatas and food and book giveaways and storytelling and things like that. So we've had a really comprehensive program in the prison working with the incarcerated parents and a little bit with the families. We've also um, done some family counseling over the years, but that grant ended. So we, this year, recently applied for and was awarded with Waypoint the um, second chance grant. We call it Family Ties Inside Out. And we were awarded it last fall, but the money kind of is just coming through right now to us who are hiring positions for that. And what that's going to do is strengthen a little bit of what we have in the prison, some of the reentry programming. But more importantly, for the first time in New Hampshire, and actually I think it's the first state in the country, we're going to have a, um, a um, coordinated system of care for children who have a parent get incarcerated. So soon, as soon as a parent becomes incarcerated in any of the 10 New Hampshire jails or the three New Hampshire prisons, a referral, if the parent's willing to give a referral, that referral will go to a program coordinator who will then send it to one of the family resource centers in their community. So Waypoint has a lot of family resource mm -hmm. centers, but there's also like 12 other family resource centers located around the state. So wherever that family is living, they will receive support. They'll get a call saying, how are you doing? Is there anything you need? We're going to create some support groups for the caregivers, some support group for the children, so the children know that they're not alone, that there are other kids in the same shoes that they are. That's fantastic. So it, it's, it's uh, very much of a prevention program, right? It's helping children to deal with some of these you know, very averse childhood experiences, mm -hmm. um, that of having, you know, one or more parents incarcerated, that's always been one of the standard ACEs, yeah. right? And those are strong predictors of how you do in later life. So this is really, pre uh, you know, a prevention program. I'm assuming that some of your measurement of the success is going to be looking at how do the children do in later life. Yeah, it's a three-year grant, so probably it would be much later than it's that. It's hard to know that, that right? It's, it's a long <laughs> but time. But we'll yeah. see, you know, that the children are increasing their protective factors. If they're needing heating oil, if they need sure. some other kind of services, they're being linked up to these community resources that are out there that a lot of people don't know are out there. So really kind of connect them now to keep everyone safe and healthy and reduce Fantastic. the risk factors. That's incredible. What a great what a great program. Cindy, I want to I pivot to you a little bit. Maybe we can talk a little bit about your perspective and the Waypoint's role in, in all of this. Well, um, we at, at Waypoint um, FRCs are um, working with families um, in the community, but also through this grant. Um, we have a uh, kinship navigator who would work with the families outside of um, the prison system. Um, it would be any family member um, who has taken on the uh, guardianship or um, um, protection of their of the children of the incarcerated adults. And um, we work with them for concrete supports, um, teaching parenting skills, that sort of thing. We do a lot of home visiting. We're actually in homes right now. A lot of places are not in homes, but the staff are, are really committed and are working with the families. That's fantastic. And it sounds like there might be an opportunity for some volunteering to support this. 
right now we are we can't do volunteering because of covid sure um but yes down the road um we we are going to be you know opening our doors to the family resource center again providing the resources that anybody in the community can access and at that time yes volunteering would be would be great yeah absolutely maybe it's sort of a sort of a fostering mentoring kind of an environment that you're that you're establishing that's correct yes that's, that's fantastic so what are some of the opportunities what the two things i always try and make sure that we cover with any interview is one um what would a person who's listening who perhaps knows somebody who might benefit from the, this resource that we're talking about these services that we're talking about what are we, who would we share that with how would we share that how would we tell them to get connected and that could be to either of you right. so obviously you have to be incarcerated to well, be involved course, in our program so if a parent is incarcerated and they have minor children they can write to us it's a voluntary program at any of the state prisons so it's a state prison not the federal prison in, in northern new hampshire um, so that would be one way for that to get their families know or just the resources and that's another piece I, I really want to bring up is you know people have been incarcerated for hundreds of years and no so one I just want to step back one second so you mentioned the federal prison that's the prison in Berlin, Berlin. I believe. there's a state prison in Berlin as well okay so now with the federal penitentiary if you're if you're if you're um, incarcerated there are there similar types of support well, that's a whole different system a whole different system. like even right okay. now the all the jails in New Hampshire are a completely different system than the state prisons where I run the program. So right. everyone's run differently. So I don't know what's at the federal prison. I know a lot of times they, like, it changes as whoever's in charge, and the yeah. federal inmates are moved around the country a fair amount. Yeah, okay. But that's about the limit of what I know. Okay, yeah. so, okay. sorry for the sidebar. <laughs> okay. I apologize. So what I was going to say was um, that people have been incarcerated forever, but very seldom have anyone ever talked about the children. You know, it's not until more recent studies such as ACEs that children are more at risk for um, future health issues because of having an incarcerated parent. So I've always wanted to talk about this because we have kids for hundreds of years and now there's research that shows that one in um, 14 children have had a parent incarcerated. And that's a huge number. Currently one in 28 do. 15,000 kids in New Hampshire have an incarcerated parent. And the probability number. of being incarcerated yourself is dramatically higher if you have had a parent one or more parents who has been incarcerated right. along with lots of other bad things that can happen this is so this is why you would want to invest in those children right. at this age because you know you want to stave off some of those negative effects down the road right right and all these children are feeling isolated because one thing that's different about having an incarcerated parent versus anything else about a parent being gone through death or deployment or divorce is there's a shame and stigma sometimes that follows the children yep. and not justly so because the child is an innocent victim you know they did not do anything wrong so one of the things i'm working with um from delhi champagne for new futures is showing this documentary called trey mason Dasan around the state and the, it's about three children in rhode island who have an incarcerated parent and so we show the documentary and we have a panel discussion and it's to get conversation started so people realize it's not an anomaly that there's children everywhere who have a parent incarcerated and they should not be treated any different in fact we should probably give them some extra supports to help them and we're also um, working with the Department of Ed to create a toolbox to help teachers on how to work with children who have an incarcerated parent. So a lot of times people may know they're incarcerated, their parents incarcerated, but they don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And so they don't say anything. Right. And that leaves the child isolated. There's, yeah, there's the stigma, there's the language. This is, you know, it's just hard. It's, it's like, um, 
it's like any other kind of stigmatized type type thing. Like you don't even know where to start if you don't know what language to use, what words to use, how how to not be hurtful and to be helpful, right? Absolutely. So such great work. I really appreciate that. Now, um, one of the things I also wanted to ask, and we sort of started touching on this, Cindy, was a little bit about down the road opportunities for people to volunteer. Are there other ways in which the community can get involved in supporting this important program, this this type of work? Well, like I said, we do take on um, volunteers. Um, they would have to go through our kind of the hiring process to be screened. Sure. Um, but we do um, work in the homes um, we have. And I assume that also includes some pretty intensive background checking, that, that type of thing, because this is, this is you know, pretty intense work. Absolutely, yes. Um, but we also have um, support groups and classes that take place in the Family Resource Center um, when we can get back inside. But we have um, like a, a child parent group that um, it would be great to have somebody come in and, you know, sit down and play with the children, help out with an art and craft that we might do. And those are on Wednesday mornings, um, again, when we can get back inside. Um, we also um, go out in the community and, um, you know, set up tables. We're working with the Milford Thrives Collaboration um, out in Milford, and we're going to be setting up um, our tables outside of the school when the parents come through. So just even having somebody sit at the table, that would be great. That's fantastic. So just as an aside, a totally random aside, did Barb get a hold of you about some PPE that I have for you guys? She did not, but I will I will have her go pick it up. We have She yeah. she emailed me while we were sitting here actually. Oh, I really? got this great donation from my son. My son-in-law works for Amazon mm -hmm. and they had some extra PPE, so these little packets which are ideal for awesome. like people who are doing home visitation where each packet has some hand sanitizer, um, a couple of masks, a couple pair of gloves. So the gloves is the particularly the interesting thing for people who are doing home visitation. So Absolutely. we've got some for home health and hospice, some for you guys, and some for gateways. I'll I'll talk to Barb. Yes, yes, <laughs> Barb is. I've had her, her connecting with you, but yeah. she goes and picks up our stuff. She's absolutely phenomenal. Barb's fantastic. I've known Barb for a long time from when she worked at Gateways with actually with my wife. So. Very good. Um, total random aside. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's important, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it absolutely is important. So are there any last words, anything, last comments you'd like to make about the program before we, um, you know, uh, the music kicks in, which means we're done? <laughs> they say just support the families. I mean, they're all families struggling as the rest of the families are and don't treat them any differently than any other child or parent caregiver. Uh, absolutely some very hard circumstances and a lot of times things happen that are you know just out of our control and we have to have some empathy and and definitely with the children who who really are um, innocent bystanders in all of this definitely. so thank you both for coming on the show today really appreciate it thank you thank you very much absolutely so and maybe we'll do this again at some point in the future when the program is developed a little bit further that'd be great so you've been listening to the united way community connection show i'm your host mike Affelberg. Each and every Monday morning, we're on from 9 to 10 a.m. talking with nonprofits in our community about their important work. We will not be here next week because it is President's Day. So we're going to take the week off. We'll be back the week after that. Our show is brought to you by Etchstone Properties, by Embroid Me, and by Franklin Savings Bank. Thank you to our sponsors. And uh, until two weeks from now, when we get back together, I'd like to remind everybody, please be kind to one another because you know what? Great things really do happen when we live united. 
WSMN 1590, WSMN 95.3 FM, Nashua. Listen, watch, and stream at WSMN.live. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. More than 100 inmates took over a section of a St. Louis jail, setting fires and throwing objects from broken windows. Dozens of inmates escaped from their cells at the City Justice Center in downtown St. Louis around 2 a.m. Saturday morning, evading capture until the group rose as many as 115 prisoners. One male officer was taken to the hospital following the incident, but officials says he has since been released and is doing well. Tear gas ended the uprising after about eight hours. Tens of thousands of protesters